Welcome to Land Sharks After Dark, your favorite podcast about the Old Miss Rebels. I'm your host, Justin Sanders. Joining me today to talk about Old Miss like we do every week, I got my co-host, John Stefanzik. What's up, John? How are you doing today? Excuse me. Uh, I'm just plugging along. We got two inches of snow yesterday, and nobody batted an eye. Now, you're part of the country. Yeah, it's the opposite of that. It was like a, uh, it was like a half inch a couple days ago. And I, I mean, is everybody okay? I hope all everybody working at the middle health is i mean i've just been insane i'm at home paranoia i've been locked down i got the windows boarded up i got a generator in my kitchen running for the past 48 hours um, did you get so, a box of mres from fema i mean do they yeah send those? well i have i have like uh an indoor like uh like bomb shelter and like you know all the you know the the stuff to just to survive a light icing you know how it can be down here it's, it's, yeah, it's man, pretty dramatic stay, i mean everybody, everybody just needs to stay inside for a day and it'll magically go away imagine that <laughs> no i know concept. yesterday people were like it was like 2 p.m people were still acting like they couldn't drive and i was like the sun's been out for like eight hours like everything's fine there's no frequent ice on the frequent look uh consistent listener frequent guest neil mcmillan apparently got off at work for half a day was yeah i did yeah no Friday. everything was closed they closed the state offices early Jesus Christ! Yeah, Good grief. Bill Bryant Which, was whatever. Like right, right that's, there about the emergency declaration. This, I swear. Oh my gosh, that's pretty funny. That's the South. I tell you what, though, North Carolina legitimately got some good snow. I mean, that was it pretty, was a real they, storm. They, they had a real storm. Dallas got some ice. Saw um, saw on John Stevens, another listener, shout out on his Snapchat that Shout-out. he couldn't get up like a little miniature hill on his uh. I believe he drives a Chrysler 300. He was lamenting on Snapchat about how this w- Dallas was not bossed when it came to winter storm preparation, and that would be correct. So <laughs> that would be correct. Let's just say Dallas. Dallas gets ice. I, Dallas hadn't really had a big ice storm, I don't think, since. Well, they probably had one since then, but the big one I remember is uh, the Super Bowl week when they hosted the Packers and the Steelers, mm-hmm. and Jerry Jones basically, I mean, that was God just basically telling Jerry Jones to, to, to chill out by giving him an ice storm the week of the North Texas Super Bowl, so that was that. Now we had, they had ice in Dallas the week, uh, week the bye week between then and the Cowboy playoff game, so it's kind of look what happens. We get ice storms and the Cowboys either – their stadium hosts the Super Bowl or they get in the playoffs. So that's apparently there's a correlation there. Apparently so. Anyway. Um, so, John, it's wanna, been – yeah, what, we got a lot to talk, talk about. I was going to say, what are we talking about first? We it's been, like, been a while here um, since we recorded. I think what – yeah, we recorded like December 29th-ish like of last year, 30th maybe. Yeah, the, morn- yeah, we occurred, yeah, the morning of the Kentucky game because then I drove yeah, up. Yeah, that's right. To- Went to the game. Might as well get the, my pavilion experience to start. Um, yeah, go ahead. They, they did a great job with the building. It's very um, nice. It's very the nice. The only thing I could come up with, and everybody that knows me and listens to this show knows I'm pretty. I can be I can be particular on things. <laughs> is we're sitting in the upper the upper deck, and I apparently there is a restroom on the upper deck, but I had missed it, so I had to walked down a level which really was not very far at all and there was apparently there's full-size restrooms there on the main level and then i think there's just a couple there's like a smaller set on the upper deck the upper yeah level. they're like in the yeah. corners or something they're yeah. in the corner the sign wasn't very like i, I figured they would have had a, a sign that was a more they could have they, they probably could have marked that a little cleaner or a little more obviously and i don't but then again do you really want to bring a lot of attention to a restroom sign i don't know i can understand the give and take there yeah but 
That was pretty much it. I mean, that was really the only thing I could come up with. I mean, with, I think though. the biggest takeaway when you go there for the first time is kind of the fact that it's all open in a way. Like, you might not be expecting that at first. Like, the concourse and all. There's not the really. The concourse is fantastic. I it's mean, really they nice. Did. There's no delineation really between, if you know what I mean, the floor, the the plaza, all of that. It's kind of all in one building with just some some walls kind of restricting the line of sight but really it feels very open and i guess the reason i say that is the bathrooms and all like you said it doesn't feel like you have to walk very far even though they're not uh, right next to your seat it's kind of yeah easy to and get you around. can get around that place so i mean i'd give it right. like a i mean honestly like a 98 or a 90 probably probably a 98 i mean i think I with, mean, with what we had to work with which is not a very strong basketball tradition but we raised a good bit of money for it um we wanted something nice we didn't need something any bigger i think that they pretty much checked off all the boxes they did a good job with it no the only other and this is and i don't the, the only other thing that i'll say and this i'm not this is not a criticism this is a comment i want to make sure you get that up front okay is it having the 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 student sections down there in the lower bowl in three spots, mm-hmm. but it doesn't go up as high as what the tad pad did, right. which overall is an improved, gets everybody closer to the game. Mm-hmm. I get that. But the one positive of having the tad pad go all the way to the roof is that you could get in there and the students, I don't know if the students can be as, uh, can, can, can get as, uh, as loud in the, in the new, building. well, not, not loud. Can, 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 can be as creative verbally mm. because it's going to be easier You're to more find spread eggs. out yeah well when marshall henderson was in there his first year we, we were up there like in row 30 dropping f-bombs at the refs and right. yeah and now now it's we, you can't really do that you can't do that you can't really do that in the pavilion because they but like have does, a, does it matter don't know who it is i mean last last night at the auburn game i mean at auburn i heard people yelling all kinds of stuff on tv i don't think they cared I guess it just depends where you are. I feel like Ole Miss, on, Ole Miss would be the place where they start kicking students out just for Ole being Ole Miss would be the place that like gets on people, right? Just for, uh, just for being fired. I just up. think that they would, but yeah. Anyway, but anyway, but that's that's not it. It's just I, I will me. say um, from the undergrad perspective, or I guess uh, my sister's in grad school now. So if you don't know, John, the student union is now closed for I think at least the next year as they're they're doing like a so full, they fully shut it down. Yeah, now. like a full yeah, renovation I, I, on the inside. So yeah, I, I drove around camp. I did drive around campus the next morning. Yeah. Um, I didn't know there was a beagle bag on Jackson Avenue Hill. To mom's like, hey, let's go there for breakfast. Which there's is so, there's so many new restaurants. It's unbelievable. Chipotle, Chipotle I mean, is almost when, done. Just from when we were there. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. It was yeah. like holy cow. I mean, there was a whole new dorm between Crosby and Northgate yeah. over there. That I was going. Where the hell did that come? Yeah, from? Yeah, they built it, it where there. where it used to be. I, I think I know what you're talking about. It used to be like the International Student Dorm or something. They tore that down and built a new one. Okay, I didn't something even know we like had that. an international student um, dorm, but I learned something new today. Um, they built the three, like the Burns Hall and all of that, kind of up, mm-hmm. up between between Kincannon and. But Kincannon is still there, school. right? They still haven't torn Kincannon, down Kincannon. So they're building a parking garage on the backside of Kincannon, which, Weird. I was, which is actually. Why don't they just tear that thing down, man? I don't know. I'm sure that's coming at some but, point. They redid. I mean, they redid the facade. My point, to Martin. My point I mean, was, you know, it's going to be. It, you would think it would be kind of a lame year to be an undergrad for as far as dining options on campus go, but it sounds like they have a lot of mobile options. And then my point that I'm trying to get to is, you know, this the way they envision the pavilion, 
being sort of a second student union on that side of campus. Apparently, it works pretty well. I mean, obviously, Canes and Steak and Shake are, are both pretty good as far as campus every options Every time go. I looked up at the – every other time I'd look up at, like, the ribbon in the pavilion, they were telling you what time Kane, Steak and Shake and everything in the uh, – and Chick, I think Chick, I think they were advertising Chick Fil A too. What time they were all open? Yeah, I mean literally they're like, go eat here. I, I mean, mean literally Ross's strategy, and it's pretty. He he figured it out. I give him credit for this. Was here's how we make Mississippians not complain. Here's how we make everybody not complain about. Okay, build this big shiny new arena, which is a really really good job with, and let him get chicken and burgers and fries, because literally like in the second half I mean, we we got. I mean Ole Miss got ran out of the building in the first 10 minutes of that game. Yeah, I was like, well, was bad. I'm just going to, we had ate, we'd eaten dinner, but you know what? I'm just going to get a bucket of, can, get a box of canes and <laughs> be good to go. Talladega, you were at Talladega here this past fall. Uh-huh. Back in, back in the, my dad tells me back in the, of course, when he gives us his back, you know, back in the good old days rant, Talladega is kind of known for, if you were sitting in the stands, yeah, the chicken bones. You'd literally, yeah, you get the chicken bones. It's kind of like, I felt like the kind of a little bit of a, Step up in class, but the same concept Aww. at the uh, pavilion. Get your box of canes. Get your soda. So, yeah. so, so well, when you that, were done with your canes, you threw it down on the student section, I'm guessing? Is what, is what no, you're trying to say? Not. Is that what you're trying to say? I, uh, I separated it to the conveniently located uh, waste and recycling. Wow. You really have, been, really have been living up north, re- voluntarily recycling things. I mean, if they if they make it easy, if they put it right next to the trash can, it's, it's like, why like, not? Yeah, I'll do it. But it's like when you have to go find it, it's just like, come on. But but they have the combo things in the pavilion. They did a good job with that. Yeah, so. I know what you're talking good. about. But I mean, I still don't think that. I I kind of think that once the sh- the sheen kind of wears off a little bit, or AK's had a couple years to recruit to that building. People are only going to be more critical of him in the long run, but I, mean, I don't know, man. You give him canes, it's, it's yeah, that lasts for a while. But after after a couple years, if the results don't improve, they start saying, "Well, the excuse was the arena. Now there's no excuse." And I think, I mean, I think either way, this is what AK wanted. He, he it's sink or swim time for Kennedy. He can he can either improve and maybe go to the tournament one out of the next two years, or I think he can. He can be replaced, probably. I mean, Calipari was complimentary, and he and he meant this statement in a good in a good way. Yeah. Was, heck, they even got a kid that Kentucky would commit. Which is he talking about yeah. in the next class, or who's he talking about? This upcoming class. He's talking about Devonte Schuler, I guess. Yeah, that's Schuler. Yeah, that so kid's legit, know. and and I mean, I guess if you're an Ole Miss fan, you gotta <laughs> hope that he's he's gonna be able to legit play point guard next year. I mean, I really like Brian Tyree in the long run. Like, I think he's gonna turn out to be a great player. But obviously, right now, Ole Miss is suffering from no true point guard. Yeah, that's that's a big component of this team. I guess Burnett's a two guard essentially. Yeah, Burnett's kind of like Moody Light. Like, I mean, they get everybody back except Saez and Brooks. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, and then they got some other dudes coming. I mean, next year's team, this year's team is peak bubble. We'll, we'll go ahead. And, we're going to do basketball thing. Let's just do it now. We're, we're, doing it. we're already doing it. So yeah, because. I mean, they they got blown out against Kentucky. Kentucky, like that's the cheapest you'll. Well, I don't know if you go to like a midweek, say Bucks game, you can get in for ten bucks. But that's you know as cheap as I'll ever get to see those guys play before they hit to the NBA. I mean, right. the Monk kid's really good. Kentucky, Kentucky's fun to watch. And sure, yeah. here's here's where I give Calipari a lot of credit is that team like understood roles, knew how to play together. You, 
Ole Miss's problem is they're talented, but they don't. There's no the chemistry. Yeah, and they, they don't. They don't see things for each other. They're, they're not bad on. The they're bad on defense because they don't know how to play together. Now I noticed because Auburn he tight. He tightened up the rotation to where only eight guys are playing. AK's just got to. He's got to just pick his guys and go with it this I, year. I liked who he started last night against Auburn. Um, yeah. I think he he had. Um, Saez out there, obviously, with DeAndre Burnett, yeah. but then running the point. I, I guess he had Burnett running the point to start, and then Terrence Davis as the shooting guard. Um, and then did he start Rasheed Brooks? I can't remember, but Brooks is becoming – I think he's really doing his job right now as a senior. He's, he's, he's coming off the bench. He's contributing. He made three big shots last night. He made a really big one with 25 seconds left to put Ole Miss up by three. Um I don't know. I've I've been impressed by his play this year, especially around the basket. He's he's able to get some layups around the basket, which are surprising. Obviously, Terrence Davis is probably my favorite player on the team. He makes some dumb mistakes still, though, especially turnovers. But he's an energy guy. He needs another year, but you just play him and go with it. I mean, they lost to Kentucky, then they got beat in the O Dome. But Florida's good too. I mean, Florida. They've Kentucky's top ten RPI, and then. Creighton's fourth, Florida's third, and Baylor's second. I mean, they got all these opportunities. Middle Tennessee, sixteenth, yeah. Virginia Tech's top fifty. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of their losses are quality losses. Right. I mean, this team has beaten everybody they should, you could say, and then lost to everybody they probably should have lost to so far. Yeah. With the, you could say, I guess you, you could say Virginia Tech's a toss-up game, but they, I mean, that was on the road, so they. Beating Auburn was key because you don't want to get like in a one and four, zero and five SEC hole. What's next? They do they host or they go to South Carolina or Georgia? What's the next couple um, games? Pull this up. Uh, looks like next game is hosting Georgia, and then they're at South Carolina. At South Carolina, Georgia's right at fifty on the RPI, maybe down a hair because they just played Missouri. Ole Miss, it's, they got these strong. They got they got a lot of strengths in their schedule. They also they got to play Missouri and State twice, which are RPI. Yeah, bombs. surprisingly, right now State's at one hundred and seven on Ken, Ken Palm, but I know their strength of schedule is like in the three hundreds. They, they just got that win over LSU last night. Um, but yeah, I mean Missouri for sure, and I, I think State probably will be a, a risky game as well. But for now, I guess it's not as bad as it could be. Yeah, Missouri's at one seventy nine on Ken Palm. Okay, they were because Missouri was in like the oh that's Ken Palm. Warren Nola had them like in two two hundred something range. Yeah. Well, it's so. hard to know who to trust. I'll get a Warren Nolan as well. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, it's still a little early for this stuff too, but it's early. But it's starting. It's starting to come together. Looking at Ole Miss's path forward, they really by not being it, but, but thus far by not beating. If they had beaten Florida or Kentucky, they could have, they could have lost. They could have had an RPI bomb in there, and it would have yeah. been fine. Now well, they, they really Warren can't. Nolan has Ole Miss at thirty nine in the live RPI, so that's pretty good. Oh, up, that's good. Up nine today for beating Auburn. Yeah, yeah, top one hundred road win. Yeah, the key is they. I think they South Carolina twice, Arkansas, Georgia's an opportunity. And Baylor's and if they Baylor's, Baylor's a huge opportunity, yeah, because they they lost to K- K- Kentucky, Florida, Creighton, 
I'll say on the and then home against Middle Tennessee on the road against Vod. All their five, they're zero for five in real what I would call RPI opportunity yeah, games. Sure. To beat tournament type talent, they need to beat. If they can beat Baylor, that would really distinguish and say we on our best night can go beat one yeah. of these top. Opponents. I mean, Baylor's number two right now in the AP, three in the coaches, three in the RPI. I mean, I, I doubt. I, I think Ole Miss probably gets waxed on January twenty eighth. We'll see. You probably do. That's not going to hurt them. No, I guess it, no. My point: if, if this team's going to go to the tournament, they got to do something to make a case at some point. Yeah, and I mean, and I think may, that might be that might be twelve and six in the league can make that. That case. might be twelve and six, thirteen and five, and say we don't lose to anybody bad. It, right, and then you get down, in. Yeah. It comes down to how good or bad is the bubble. Right, exactly. That's what. That's kind of always he, what Kennedy's kind of always on. what it is. Yeah, I think they. I think unless they. They need to go at least twelve and six in my mind, assuming they beat if they if unless they beat Baylor. They could go eleven and seven in the if right they beat, configuration. If they beat Baylor. Baylor. Yeah, yeah. So that's the because they they're gonna have four, like I said, playing state twice, Missouri twice. They have to win all four of those games. Yeah. And we know start going to Starkville is not an automatic for an Ole Miss team. No. But so. I I like the the back end of the schedule after you play Baylor because you you have some games against good teams, but there's no Kentucky on there, there's no Florida on there, there's no A and M on there. If they could somehow, if they can beat Georgia at home, yes, and then you can even lose to. But if they can, if they could beat Georgia and South Carolina, if they can okay, get so if they, if they, the the home games that are left: Georgia, Tennessee, A and M, Baylor, State, Auburn, LSU, Missouri, South Carolina. So you really can only afford to lose maybe A and M and Baylor at home out of all those. You need to win the rest of those home games. What from an SEC, just from, from an, an RPI, from an RPI standpoint of defending home court. Yeah, outside of Baylor though, there's not a game. I mean, you look at every one of those games. You say Ole Miss can can. Yeah, actually, I'm talking about A and M. Easily but I win mean, those. They're only they're they're 103 this year in their RPI. I'm kind of giving them too much recency bias off the last couple seasons. So I mean. Yeah, Georgia, other than Baylor, is the top RPI team um, at Arkansas 28. I mean, at Vanderbilt 57. But, yeah, South Carolina at, thir- at South Carolina 37 is an opportunity on Saturday for sure. They play Carolina twice, too. They get yeah. home so to finish the that's, year, I believe. That's really good. That's really good. I mean, I think if Ole Miss can, could find a way to win the next two games, they really set themselves up well because then you that's get Tennessee, Missouri, thinking. A&M. I mean, if you could roll into that Baylor game winning four out of five or five out of five, even if you drop that Baylor game, you got great momentum going into the second half of the SEC uh, down the stretch here. Agree. So, really, it's a key. I mean, I you know, I, I think we said this before the season started, but I really think the way this sets up is good for Ole Miss, getting Kentucky and Florida out of the way the first two games, because now you can start building your confidence back up. Yeah, if it would have been not. It would have been nice. I mean, if if I had held on and beaten Creighton, just want to. But I mean, I mean assuming, we, we would be feeling yeah, if, yeah. if one if they yeah, were eleven true. and four true. instead of ten and five right now, we'd be feeling really good about this. Very but, true. But they've been but, really but tough it's games. Not, they they're in a they're in a position to go make it happen. Yeah. I mean. I mean, so they got, your worst loss to number 48, Virginia Tech. I mean, we shouldn't complain as Ole Miss fans because the other losses are 7, 3, and 5. I mean, that's pretty dang good as far as as far as far good losses, I guess. And you get two, and you've got two, 37 twice, and 28 on the schedule. 
ahead in 550, and they get 70 twice. Ten, the, ten, the Tennessee games are going to end up being – they could end up being kind of what, te- what pushes you above yeah, or below. I wonder if Tennessee has any chance to get into the top 50 at 70 right now. I'm looking at their schedule. Uh, hmm. Nah, Tennessee's schedule is pretty – not we got great. K-State, they get Kentucky yeah, twice. Kentucky I mean, if they can Kentucky beat either twice. of those Kentuckys. They get South Carolina twice. Other than that, I think it's going to be important to Ole Miss probably that Auburn stays in the top 100. Yeah, it's conceivable Tennessee could get to the 50s. It's Bandy could definitely get into the 50s. Um, if Ole Miss does win against Georgia on Saturday, probably be – Pulling for the Bulldogs the rest of the way since they're sitting right at number fifty. You definitely want a top fifty win out of that. So if yeah. I mean based on that, Ole Miss doesn't have any of those yet, do they? No. Of those, sorry, they don't have any the, top fifty wins yet. No. Based George's on these numbers, first opportunity, but Georgia probably falls out of the top fifty. If Ole Miss yeah, beats but them. South Carolina at thirty-seven, very solid opportunity. Uh, a week from yesterday, come January fourteenth yep. on Saturday. Yeah. Um, so I mean, what do you what do you need to see? Obviously, less turnovers if Ole Miss is going to be competitive down the stretch. Um, I mean, what is your ideal rotation out of what we've seen so far? I mean, if Tyree is if Tyree is on a hot streak, I want him bringing the ball up. I guess uh, I really just need more consistency from DeAndre Burnett. Um, if he's going to be that guy that Ole Miss counts on in the last 10 minutes of the game, and with his free throw percentage and with his, his playmaking ability, he probably should be that guy, but he really can't make mental mistakes. He can't throw the ball away, and he just has to be a better ball handler overall. Um, we talked about some of the young guys like Terrence Davis. I think he just has to keep playing his game. He's going to give you what he's going to give you. Um, really, I mean, Saez is, is having a great year. I think it's six double-doubles in a row right now. Um, I don't expect that to stop. The, the team got in a little bit of foul trouble a couple times. So he's fouled out last night. So that's something to keep an eye on. Really, John, it seems like there's a lot of inconsistency this year from one officiating crew to the next as to what they're going to call as far as freedom of movement goes, as far as seeing a ton of offensive fouls this year. I don't know if, if you picked up on that. That was another thing I took away from watching the Kentucky game in person was there are so many ticky. I have no and idea. And it's different for what, every ref, it seems. It's, and the it's, officials go back and forth. And you, could play, you could play the same team twice, but two different officiating crews have two totally different games. Yeah, we should, we definitely mean, need to talk about Bruce Pearl and uh, how obsessed with Saez he apparently is. He he was uh, according to the the SEC Network commentators. He he seemed like he spent his whole meeting with them talking about how everything Saez does to produce is against the rules somehow. I mean, every time Saez would post up on a guy, he'd be screaming at the ref that it was a hook or some sort of offensive foul or something. I mean, he's the dude's a baby. Like Bruce Pearl is such a whiny baby, and I I love seeing him lose. So the fact that AK has beat him nine times in a row. Well, not just him. Let's see, he's been there for three years, right? So. AK's beat him six times in a row, probably. And Ole Miss yep. has beaten Auburn nine times in a row. It's just it's the little things, John. It's the small joys in life. We should talk about the game, I guess. Ole Miss was down eight at half, came back to be up 12, and then ended up winning by three, I think. I mean, it was a back-and-forth affair for sure. Um, yeah. They got the, I mean, I haven't watched enough of this team to tell you exactly who should be where. I just they, AK he need, he he just needs to pick seven or eight guys and go with it. Uh, yeah, I think he's, get he's the, getting there. They'll improve defensively if they just say this is how, who's going to play together, and this is who's going to do what. 
That's what it comes down to. And, and they're they're really one pass away on a lot of these plays where they have turnovers. They have options, so I guess it comes down to can AK get them in the film room and change what they're doing, basically, or is it going to be and the they've same got stuff all down. year? They, they, yes. they get out there and they try to be the Harlan Globetrotters too much. It's yeah. like guys, just just play. They play like a. They play like a hyperactive group of freshmen as opposed to a group of more experienced, a uh, more mature, yeah. um, more well, confident group of juniors and seniors. But see, I mean, they are juniors and seniors, but most a lot of it is is weird case. Rasheed Brooks has been playing at Ole Miss. This is his second year, right? Maybe third year. I guess they had him all played at Ole Miss for a while. No, I, I know, act, but like... They need to act like 21-year-olds instead of 19-year-olds. But like Burnett has played a freshman year in the ACC, and that's it. I mean, Eustace is basically a freshman. I I, I, don't, I see where you're coming from totally and agree with it, but I also... It makes sense to me that they're playing so out of control and nervous and all because they don't That's really the have thing the is that Cal's got Cal's got those nineteen year olds, they know their roles. Yeah. Versus AK's got twenty one year olds that don't coach. know their roles. And Cal's probably a better so, he definitely has a better staff around him, I would assume, just from a budget perspective. But yeah, yeah. I mean And I'm not saying that means AK's a bad cause we cause got cause every everything that Alabama puts into football is what Kentucky puts into basketball. Exactly. But I mean, it's really a comedy that is a compliment to Cal because getting 19 year olds to come in and do that, especially guys that are going to be making millions in the NBA the next year, is really, really impressive. So yeah, it's 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 a feat for sure, and the way those guys play is very impressive. And it seems like Cal's teams uh, are so comfortable with their roles. Like there was that guy, um, his name's escaping me, but basically all he does is dunk and lay it up. And they were just. Uh, his name was close to Adebayo's. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, it was uh, Adebayo. Adebayo. Yeah. yeah, he was he was impressed. He was really good, but they never asked him to do anything that he was uncomfortable with. And sometimes yeah. I wish Ole Miss's players would play to their strengths more. Like when you see Eustace, you know, dr- dribbling the ball down the floor, and everybody in the building knows that this is a six foot seven guy. He's probably not a good ball handler, and it's not like he shocks you and. And surprises you. He usually, you know, gives up the ball. It's usually exactly what you expect. Flip side is how much of this is people trying to cover for roles that just we don't they don't have the guy. There's not a true point guard right now. Not a true point guard right now. Totally. And you saw last night Auburn was in a full court press pretty much the last half of the game. Really made Ole Miss uncomfortable. And that's the thing we don't have a true point guard is you know who's breaking that press. Who's your your guy? I don't know. I. Like it's gonna help. It's gonna help. Just hit the schedules is gonna soften up here. I think Ole Miss will start looking better. That's the key. I mean, Florida, Florida, and Kentucky may be two of the best fifteen teams in the country. Mm-hmm. We know Creighton is. Mm-hmm. We know Kentucky is. Florida's right there too. They're good. I mean, they lost to Va Tech by five. I mean, they lost a coin. What I would consider a game that you could argue they win at home. So. Yeah. And then Middle Tennessee. Middle Tennessee is a good team in the combination. Of, that's just one of those games. I mean, you're going to have two duds a year, and almost had a dud half against Middle Tennessee. I'm not going to sit here and kill them for that. They just, but they haven't. They haven't given. They have not created a comfy what I, a, a comfy cushion or margin for no. or a substantial margin for error. They've got a little bit of margin for error, but not as big as they could have. If they, Definitely but not. But it's not surprising given that this. I mean, AK is still trying to figure out who's going to play the rotation that's right. kind of where if he can if he can get this team more focused and understanding of its roles they could go 12 and i mean thir- 
if this team went thirteen, got it locked in, and went thirteen and five in the league, like it wouldn't surprise it wouldn't surprise me. It also wouldn't surprise me if they yeah. Kinda, well, given their schedule, ten and eight. Given their schedule, they're only going to be lower RPI than SEC opponents. Like, or I guess I should say higher. Like against South Carolina right now. I mean, Arkansas. They, yes, yeah. Sorry, twenty eight. Yeah, South Carolina and Arkansas. So if you lost both those or all three of those games, yeah, you're still at thirteen and five. But they go they go to Arkansas, correct? I don't have the schedule. Up yes, to right. Arkansas. Yeah, that is going to be that game at the towards the end of the season, February eighteenth, is going to be key. It's like because if they can get through this, that's gonna that could really be a yeah. a almost. M- Depending on where they're at, either kind of a resume solidifier or a must yeah. win to get back in the conversation. The bubble, yeah. Them and then the South Carolina game at home is going to be yes. kind of in that same category for this team. For sure. I do think, I mean, okay, I, I should preface it, and I, I know I'm waiting since we've been talking about this game for so long to say this, but I, I didn't think Auburn was a particularly good team. And watching them early, I thought it was obvious that Purifoy was their best player. And when he went down with that ankle injury, I thought, okay, Ole Miss surely can win this game. So uh, it's kind of a two-sided coin, I guess. It's good to get that that adversity win on the road, you know, win by three, and it wasn't easy down the stretch. They had to stay mentally tough. Um, Definitely a hostile environment. The crowd was into it. Um, But the flip side is, you know, it wasn't Florida or Kentucky were playing. You know, it it was a very young Auburn team without their best player from five minutes into the game. So... Good to get the win. Maybe it gives you confidence going into South Carolina in a week. Um, but I don't know how much we can really take away from it, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Yeah, the South these, these next two games are going to yeah. tell us Against a number, lot. number 50 RPI Georgia at home, at number 37 uh, RPI South Carolina on Saturday. Those these are, these are the types of games that Ole Miss has to at least be highly, highly competitive in if they're actually a bubble team. I'll go ahead and say it. I mean, if they lose both of these games, they're not making the tournament. Yeah, if, if, they, they, if they lose both of these games, they they're going to have to upset people. If they to make split the them, then we'll see. They'll be in the bubble conversation I think if they with an opportunity them, to... about where they are right now. Yeah, they, they're in the bubble conversation. Yeah, particularly let's say they could if they lose to Georgia, Georgia beat Carolina on the road. That'll be. I don't, well, I don't know. I don't know. Let's not get that detail. Let's just let's split them. They're there. If if they win these next two, they're in good shape. They then create some more. They create. They go from I'd say a little bit of cushion to a moderate amount of cushion in terms of their ability to make the NCAA tournament. They're probably on the on the on the right side of the. They're on the correct side of the committee with a little bit of cushion if they sweep this week. Mm-hmm. So we'll see yeah. how it plays out. That's about right. Anyway. Um, all right, so we are moving on. You want to talk about Creighton? Yeah, so since our last conversation. Creighton and coaches. I think Ole Miss picked up a linebacker commitment that's pretty – looks like he's going to be good. Breon Dixon, four-star. Last time they got a linebacker from Grayson High School, Denzel Kimdichie. That's right, but uh, Denzel was a two-star, and Dixon is actually a four-star, so at least there's something there. Yeah, he, this Dixon guy up here, I mean, we, we, we can make all of our tongue-in-cheek. Kim Dichie is, is it's too easy. We'll, we'll, uh, I'll refrain from it. But he but seems to be pretty legit. He seems to be a legitimate player, and Freeze went in and kind of took over his recruiting. Freeze and, uh, and, and McGriff. I mean, he said McGriff really firmed it up after the hire and convinced him. 
you know, that he was he was heading the right direction. So good good job. Everybody's I, talking about McGriff's never been a coordinator and getting paid. I know they had overpay and all that. I, I think I think McGriff, the McGriff hire has a potential to be really good. It may not get a chance to play out for other reasons. We won't we'll, we'll save that for later. But I think I mean I'm a fan of the McGriff hire and all of this Longo, this and that. It's Hugh Freeze's offense. Right. He's paid four point. He's going to get make four point eight million this next year. Like and like no no player is coming. He's going to run the damn offense. Well, no player is coming to play for Ole Miss without being comfortable with and recruited by Freeze. In my opinion, I mean he's the he's where the buck stops. Like yes, McGriff has to recruit defensive players, and yes, Longo has to talk to offensive guys, but like. Freeze is still the the decision maker. Freeze is still the face of the program. And I, oh I, yeah, Freeze. If is, we fail next year, it's not Longo's fault. It's not McGriff's fault. It's obviously Freeze's fault. It's Freeze's fingerprints are everywhere. Yeah. I mean, they, every head coach is that way, but Freeze is probably more so, probably on the more so side than less so side compared to the average. I think that probably that probably comes from his high school experience and the fact that he has very little experience in a program with the type of resources that he has now. Well, he's really not. I think he's scared a, to give up control. He's not a, He's not from a coaching tree necessarily. He's no. kind of always been a have to go do it. He's always been a do it yourselfer. Right, and at so. the high school level, you know, you probably do want to be involved in every decision because can you really trust, you know, the science teacher yeah. that's also your assistant coach or whatever to know, you know, the best thing yeah. for your football team? I don't know. But now his job is to be a CEO and to hire people to carry out his, his you know, orders and all that. So I don't know. We'll see. It could be a fatal flaw. We're going to find out, uh, I think, next season. But we could we could limp through next season. He might get another one. We'll see. Yep, we'll see how we'll see how that goes. But Dixon's good, um, and then Matt Lubick mm-hmm. was old, I think former, in Oxford for less than forty-eight hours. Former Ole Miss wide receivers coach Matt Lubick. It's kind of like he was in the refund period, basically. You know, you get the warranty period. Right. So wait, did did we ever get an answer? People were asking, like, did did Lubick like how much did he make in those forty-eight hours of being Ole Miss's wide receiver coach? Uh, I I'm guessing he probably never took a check. I don't typically, know. I mean, well, do you get paid? Given that he he went to Baylor for a promotion and a raise, like let's, I mean, I, I would if the way that should have been handled is okay, Matt. You know, congrats on the deal. Best of luck. We'll just we'll just basically act like you never came to Ole Miss. That's how I would. Yeah. Presume if Ole, Ole Miss. Should, he shouldn't. He shouldn't give Ole Miss anything, and Ole Miss shouldn't give him anything. Is kind of how is. Yeah, what, well, what Ole, Miss, would be fair. Ole Miss has already given him apparently a wide receiver recruit, RJ Snead, committed to Baylor last night. I mean, I, Ole Miss isn't isn't starving for receivers. That so has I'll, nothing I'll hold my to tongue. do. That has nothing to do with Lubick. It's to well. Me, I don't think. I mean, obviously, he's going to play for Lubick, so he probably likes Lubick. But I, I don't. Probably, yeah, I'm not crying about Lubick stealing him. I mean, I, I don't think that's what happened. I think it was probably mutual. Ole Miss doesn't te- really have extra scholarships right now. He's a Texas. I I, I don't know how many scholarships Ole Miss has. I, I personally don't. But I don't. Looking I don't at buy the limited scholarships. Looking at theory. last year's team. Don't you think Freeze and McGriff and Luke probably all agree, hey, wouldn't we rather have a DT, 
than a wide receiver. Would we yeah. rather have a linebacker than a wide receiver right now? I mean, Agreed. you need help now, and you have the wide receiver shored up for, I'd say, two years at least. Yeah, no, I agree. We'll see. I mean, they can, we'll see. If you get Bowie and he's a receiver, then you, you probably need one receiver in this class. Right, and so if we'll it's see Bowie. And they... see, that's the, and we'll, talk, we'll get to Dede Bowie because he's obviously a big topic of discussion right now. Um, but the question on him is, is he really going to play wide receiver at Ole Miss? Is he more of a corner? I don't, I don't I'd rather know. have him at corner. See, I would I think in an ideal world, you take Snead and you put Bowie at corner. Right, and so I wouldn't be surprised if we saw another three-star wide receiver come up before signing day and end up yeah, in the class. Yeah, would I wouldn't be surprised at all. My, maybe, that would maybe be my expectation. Someone like Trey Nixon, someone with a particular skill set that Freeze is interested in. I don't know. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see that. Uh, so uh, let, let's talk about D.D. Bowie. Uh, obviously, longtime Ole Miss target Cam Akers headed to Florida State. Um, you believe who you want to believe, but I guess the public story is that Akers um, has been recruiting Bowie and Let's Be Mississippi Boys and go to Florida State. I think Bowie told a reporter at the Army game that if he had a Florida State offer, he would take it. He would commit and go to Florida State. So, obviously, that's that's dramatic. Um, I think a lot of people have different opinions on this. I was telling you before the show, John. Personally, I, I think it's more of a – I mean, no disrespect to the kid, but I think it's more about, you know, give me some attention. Like, I, this is what we saw with Drew Richmond late in the process when he had been committed to Ole Miss for many months. And not comparing D.D. to Drew Richmond, I'm sure he's much better as a player and as a person recruit. Um, but I think when you commit early on, and I was saying this to you earlier, and you see guys that you think you're just as talented or more talented than, uh, you know, getting courted by all these different schools and all these visits, and the fans are all tweeting at them every day. And I mean, put however much stock you want into stupid stuff like that. But I'm not surprised that some kids that are longtime commits feel the need to, you know, ask for some drama to be introduced in their situation. I mean, I get it. I get it. So if that's what's going on here, I understand. If Bowie ends up at Florida State, I mean, can you blame him? I, I don't know. Here's there's just a note to everybody else. for Find something else to do besides sit here and nitpick every what the hell is the kid thinking. Because everybody thinks, oh, Ole Miss ends up on the wrong side of these drama things. Well, I mean – they do most. They do probably more times than not. But Breon Dixon gave multiple reporters quotes that told people he was committing to Louisville and gave Louisville quotes, and then ended up committing to Ole Miss just because I think he wanted more or less he wanted to create some drama around his recruitment. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, who the hell knows? Just he he. They go where they go. Alabama was convinced they had Jeffrey Simmons last year. Ole Miss was convinced they had Jeffrey Simmons. Because he committed, he he committed to both. Because he committed to both. He, com- I mean, he committed to everyone. You can't even so. believe the kids. Basically, you can't believe anyone, especially not the primary source who's the kid. It's whoever has the sign dotted line. I mean, yeah. that's what it comes down to. So, And I mean, and it's probably similar to what we talked about on the last show where – you hear things, you hear the public reasons and the public stories and all, but there's probably, like an iceberg, 90% of what's going on, we'll, we'll never even have an inkling of who really knows what's happening. It who could really be anything. Greg Little, a big part of Greg Little going to Ole Miss 
was the fact that the number 74 jersey was open. Right. Spawn Cooper was graduating. That was it. Versus Alabama had right. Cam Robinson, and he ain't giving up his damn jersey number. Yeah. That was a factor. I mean, right. it's 17-year-old kids. And so it's, it's little stuff like that. It's stuff that we'll never be privy to because it's confidential by nature because if it's public, it can be a bad thing for the program and for the kid. I mean, there's a lot of – there's so many moving pieces in recruiting, I guess is what I'm saying. It's It's – it's hard to always divine what's really going on. Yeah. So we, we, we so cover it indirectly. About, talk about all the moving pieces in recruiting, John. I feel like that's a good transition for you're trying to go with this. Where am I trying to go with this? Well, how, uh, how all these rules are so complex and uh, don't really always make sense as to what you're oh, allowed rules. to do and not oh, do. Well, so, you're t- so the difference between what is written on paper and what happens in reality Sure. You know, freshman year at Ole Miss, back when I was in the Honors College, those days. Congrats, by the way. um, Well, it's funny. I dropped out of the Honors College. Well, I chose not to pursue the – continue the Honors College. I didn't want to write a thesis. And then when I did a master's, that required me to write a thesis. Yeah, I feel like so many people did that. I know so many people that dropped out because they didn't want to write a thesis. And then you have to write one anyway. And I ended up writing one anyway, which honestly doing the thesis thing was kind of fun. They added a thesis to my program the year after I graduated, lol. Oh, there you go. There, there you go. go. Look at you sneaking in. There you go. And the topic of that was what are the unwritten rules of making the rules was where my freshman adventures trip was. And I feel like that is a very viable topic and a good question in society. And something maybe old Lee Tyner and Ross Bjork need to uh, think, get an education on this. And how things work because apparent. So to kind of to, to quit beating around the bush, we, we've talked about the NCAA a gazillion times here. Yet it seems like every other week there's something else that comes out, and the latest rumblings that, get, that we gather. If you listen, if you look at more what I would call neutral media sources as opposed to propaganda media sources. Such as the Ole Miss Spirit, which is reporting that apparently the Texas Tech OC is a candidate for the receivers coach. Why in the hell would the what would, would a, a Power Five OC take a demotion to come to Ole Miss with all its, it's because, NCAA dude, mess right dude, now? Come on, that's the, hey that's John, John, press. John, that's press. John, wait, yes. Phil Longo is a disciple of the air raid offense. Just because you're coaching for Cliff Kingsbury, a successful Power Five head coach that runs the air raid, why wouldn't you want to take a demotion? to work for the luminary from Sam Houston State. I, I get it completely. He can learn a lot. <laughs> oh, jeez. Smoke no. screens. So I'm with, obviously, so obviously that's They're stupid. Beautiful. We're going to end up with the Sam Houston State wide receivers coach. I mean, and we're going to take it. Either, like, no, we're going to hire either the the, Ma- the the Madison Central coaches kid. You know, the, the, the Will former, Hall. Former Madison Central coach. I think he coaches on the coast now. That's a terrible – West Dean, that's a terrible hire, okay? Like, we might as well – if you're going to hire some guy with a Mississippi high school coach connection, you should have hired the Clinton High coach to get Cam Akers. Well, I think I that – I think we offered that to Cam Akers, and Cam said, meh. He said, I ain't no cuck. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously, obviously Ole Miss would have hired Judd Boswell to get Cam Akers. That rumor wasn't just out there for no reason. I don't think it Yeah, that totally would have happened. So, no, um, I think I think if we do hire Hall, we're going to have to have Wes on the show because he will defend him, just like he was doing yesterday when you were saying this stuff. And he was saying, Are you pro? Are his you record will speak for himself. What is your ta- What is your stance on the potential Hall hire? I we stand hire- with Wesson. So if he thinks it's a good idea and you don't, I'll just sit back and see what happens, and it'll be funny to see who's right. Uh, 
Yeah, we'll go. We'll, we'll, we'll let it happen before I go down that path. Yeah, if, if we, we, if we hire him, though, if we, if we, we got to have Wesley on the I'm show. I'm just going to laugh at Trooper Tyler. Like, Trooper Tyler was like a hot com- yeah, was but good idea three if, years ago. If, if the administration wouldn't let Freeze hire Bo Davis, I seriously doubt they're going to let him hire Trooper Taylor. They let them hire Wes McGriff. Okay, okay, let's remind me to come back to the McGriff connection to this NCAA thing. So let's just lay it out this way. So the latest rumblings in the NCAA deal is that apparently the, they may have something, found something in the, be fleshing out something they found in the fall that may like lead down to another, they want to hammer his path. For everybody, I mean, as everybody pretty much knows, the NCAA is on a vendetta against Freeze. And... They don't, it doesn't matter at this point what the actual committee of infractions punishment is. I need everybody that listens to this podcast, which I think is at least a majority of people are with are already here on this. They need to wrap their head around the fact it doesn't matter what the ruling is because the NCAA has already kicked their ass to the point of winning. They got Tunsil off the field for seven games a year that, I mean, if Tunsil plays, there's a pretty... You can say that they pro- – I mean, you, I'll make the statement if Tunsil plays that all seven games, they probably win the they win the West that year. Between going to Florida and having continuity on the team, I mean, I guess you would have to beat Florida or Arkansas for that to be the case. Yes, I know Tunsil was on the field against Arkansas, but, I mean, just all of the emotional drainage of where he was that whole season, I think, played a cumulative impact. Anyway, Tunsil was a big – the other thing – I mean, and if they if they have tones on the field, they can probably keep Chad Kelly upright in the swamp, which maybe changes the way that game plays out. Anyway, Tunsil missed seven games, and then this entire 2017 recruiting class is shot. Do they they probably if the NCAA thing is done in say 2014 or the summer of 15, do they get Cam Akers? I say they probably do. Between Cam Akers, Jason Phillips. Walker Little, and you could probably name three or four other dudes. May, hell, throw Trey Smith in there. All Tennessee hired his sister, but that, that may not happen anyway. They probably would have gotten. They would have gotten a couple of these guys. I mean, I, mean, I think you probably get Shy Carter last year. Potentially. Um, I mean, you have a better shot probably with uh, Mike Juarez, although who knows how much he really would have added. Uh, I don't. Yeah, he. Uh, it's one of those deals. But I mean, point you, is, is that they they. They've already they've got they're getting killed perception wise. They can't fight it. This 2017 recruiting class is ba- and we don't and there's probably ten names out there we have we don't even know about that have been impacted by this. Yes, they've already they've already destroyed a recruiting class. They've ha- basically this is from on the field September 15 till today. There's been tangible damage done. So. And it's substantial because now they don't have a recruiting. They're basically they've they've got let's say a third of a recruiting class coming in this year. That's going to carry over into eighteen and nineteen. So it's like they've already gotten their point across, and Ole Miss is already enforcing eleven scholarships. Between all of that, the NCAA has already kicked their ass, and we still don't even know when this is going to come to an end. It may or may not be yeah, done in twenty seventeen. But I mean, like I I don't take away extrajudicial punishment necessarily as an indicator that things are going to get worse. To me, there's a possibility that you do this because you still can't find anything to hammer them with and you're trying to punish them with recruiting classes exactly like you're saying. That's what I'm saying. The NCAA has already 
has already won. It doesn't say the COI could come out and say we add nothing. We add nothing to what's going on. In fact, the NCAA. In fact, we're going to give you three scholarships back because the NCAA was total screwballs in this process. Okay, that's great. You can't retroactively change the fact that seventeen recruiting class is totally shot. That, no, that's but I mean, then damage. you can move forward. I mean, obviously, any old miss. Hey, that's man, the key. You should yeah. want that. You should want some. No, sort of you want you want that, but I don't think. I guess my point, my take on it I is, totally is I don't think, you. I don't think enough credence is being given to the amount of damage already, the amount of irreversible damage already done to the program. I don't think people. Or really, yeah, I, I don't people really I, want to think about it or acknowledge it because they're sitting there going, "Huh?" Because it just depends. If, feel if, bad. if things keep getting worse, I mean, is is five and seven the low point, or is five and seven the beginning of the downward action? That's the question. Is is well, it's not, and, and not just that. It's it's what is the ceiling? I mean, if this uh, this yeah, team but if can't the go, ceiling is is eight and four, and but it's only for a couple of years until you get the NCAA out of town and you can start rebuilding again. I mean, we'll take that. Well, we're not Alabama. We yeah. don't need to win every year. But if if the bottom really has fallen out and next year's four and eight and nothing's improving, then it's probably time to fire Bjork and Freeze and the entire staff. Here's the kicker, though, is that you look at look at the rest, look at the entire SEC and how much everybody struggles to get a quarterback. Yeah, we had and two. We had. What yeah, is Freeze's really. best trait is he got 24 wins out of Bo Wallace. He got as many wins out of Bo Wallace as Eli Manning had. Yep, and then Chad, Chad Kelly, Kelly had the great. best season in the SEC history by some dude, any, any dude not named Manziel from a total yardage standpoint. And then – and he threw for four. This whole – I was re- listening to some things earlier this week on the Ash Chancellor game. Well, nobody's throwing against Alabama. Chad Kelly threw for 420 yards against Alabama this year. Yeah, yeah. I was, mean – yeah. He went out there and threw on their secondary. I mean, they were inconsistent throughout the game. O-line, you know, line spotty, running game, this and that. But the point – and then he's got Shea Patterson in the wings, who everybody agrees has got a high ceiling. Sure. I mean, he's probably he, – he, he could be as good or better than Chad, potentially. We'll see how it plays out. But point is you've got – it's the most important position, and Freeze has proven to be exceptional at, at coaching it and gathering talent at that position. Yet they're not going to be able to capitalize on it because they don't have a defense because the NCAA can't recruit. So that's the big part of it. But anyway, we, we're beating around the bush here. So this Friday on the on the RebelGrove.com podcast, they had Walter Hughes, who's a who's essentially a quote unquote booster accused of level one violations. The the cliff note version of his background is he's a guy involved with Memphis high schools and basically FCA program. And he kids that have an opportunity to play D one football, it could be at Arkansas state. It could be at middle Tennessee. It could be at Ole Miss, Arkansas, et cetera. He works with them and coach mentors. them. they come from typically they come from low income uh, situations, difficult family situations, just tries to give them a hand. So he'll, he'll give them a ride to a school, for example, well, it turns out that since he owns Ole Miss season tickets, he's technically a booster. And he cannot, per the rules of the NCAA, he cannot give any – he can't give a ride to a kid. That he, if he meets a kid freshman year of high school, he can't give him a ride. Now, if he knows the kid in sixth grade, apparently that means he's had a prior relationship with them and it's okay for them to give him a ride. So 
why does that matter? But you know, the difference between sixth grade and ninth grade in terms of knowing whether a kid's going to be a D one prospect or not is pretty absurd. I mean, there's probably maybe five, maybe five kids a year you know are going to end up being really being that way. Yeah. And you listen to the, you listen to the, you listen to this guy talk, and it's like this guy's not trying to take advantage. He's not an Ole Miss booster directing players to the program. I mean, I guess per the technical definition, he is, but that's not his intent. And if we had any kind of somewhat fair or common sense um, interpretation and enforcement of the rules, this wouldn't, you know, we would look at Walter Hughes and say, Let's, we're just going to clarify what you can or can't do, et cetera. But instead, I mean, Lee Tyner in an interview, in a six hour meeting, which, you know, the guy said he's got to give up a whole day of his time to go sit there and meet with Bjork and Tyner says, oh, well, you can't have contact with him because it's sixth grade. You have to know him, not ninth grade. It's like, Lee, his intent—it's not his intent. Like, use your damn brain to figure that out. And then they establish he's a booster. Yeah, and I guess another contextual point here is—is is he took a kid to Arkansas? Yeah, that's important. It's, co- it's cold in January, and the kid shows up. And Walter's giving this guy a ride. Well, kid shows up to meet Walter for to go visit Arkansas, and he's wearing sweatpants and a t-shirt and. It's 30 degrees outside walter goes well, you know let's go get you a sweatshirt first thing he did was go gets gets the campus buys him an arkansas sweatshirt sunglasses he tell he proactively tells the old miss and the ncaa this and the ncaa goes oh we don't care about that you're not a booster at arkansas right it's like well, what the hell well, that I mean, seems to make the case he's not a booster at old miss either if he's if he's quote-unquote steering kids anywhere i mean that's but, obviously but the letter of the law you know yep. they don't nobody wants to contextualize information they just want to go find whatever facts fit within what their bigger agenda is i mean it's it's it's, I mean, it's really obvious the ncaa does not care about the student athlete in case nothing we didn't know that already but here's Here's clear, tangible proof in these interviews. Yeah. It, so, anyway, and then I'll finish up this on Walter Hughes, and then I'll go on my rant about how dumb Bjork and Tyner are. Is that, well, it's good, but Bjork's actually going to start to get crapped on now. Is that, so, okay, per letter of the law of the NCAA, they, they, apparently they have to disassociate Hughes from the program. So they have to take away his baseball tickets. Mm-hmm. He's a baseball season ticket holder, which costs like two hundred bucks a year. I think you can get, I think you can get general admission season tickets for season tickets for like one hundred twenty five bucks, one hundred twenty five, hundred fifty, some, yep. not a whole lot of money. And instead, instead of telling, you know, you talk to Hughes, and it's really obvious he's not trying to cause problems. He's just trying to help these kids. I mean. If Bjork had any PR skills, he'd either he'd either contact he call Hughes that or it's not, not PR. Have somebody call have somebody contact him and say, "Look, this is what we have to do because of the NCAA. We feel bad having to do this. We know you have good intent here." Instead, Hughes finds out he can't buy baseball tickets through a letter in the mail saying you've committed violations as a booster and you have to send your tickets back in. I mean, that's. Thank Bro, God! Wait. Thank God that that's how I did it. Because this guy's gonna go on podcasts talking about this stuff. I'm so happy Bjork didn't talk to him. And that's ridiculous. The others. NCAA is gonna hear about that and slap on another level one for interfering with an investigation. What would you say then, John? Who would you blame? You'd blame Bjork. You'd say Bjork is amateurish and he's he's uh, acting like a small time guy and calling up Walter Hughes and now we're in more so, trouble. So for we're him. we're just gonna print r- words on a piece of paper, call them the yeah, rules. You said it yourself. And Baseball we don't season give... tickets cost two hundred dollars. Why on earth would the athletic director get involved in talking to that guy? 
and we don't. That's not public so relations. Just, that's a so private we're gonna, affair. So we're going to treat people that mean well that he doesn't have to take his time to help I, it doesn't kids, matter if we're he, gonna if it doesn't matter but if we're gonna well. treat him like shit it doesn't matter if he meant you know well, what obviously the NCAA and we're gonna sit here care. and we're gonna use the ncaa investigation as our smoke screen to get away with treating people like shit oh my god because you, all everybody <laughs> do is, <laughs> and you and every so, other fan and, and, and fans apparently don't care that he got treated well some people do some people don't care they get treated people, shit. like you're Oh, we got to be able to recruit to our football program. People football don't care. Football program that can't even keep people eligible. People don't care I mean, because he's named in the notice of allegations. I mean, people also don't care if we treat David Saunders. He's in the NOA because Hugh Freeze, because they're on a witch hunt against Hugh Freeze because Georgia got their pennies in the wad and they didn't, ma- and then Bjork and Freeze. I don't know. You've, John, you've, it you've, read, you've read the NOA, right? Hughes is an excuse. To go, well, you've read it, get, right? You've read this, it, right? Yes, Hughes, I've read the NOA. Hughes disobeyed what he was told by Ole Miss, and still did things he wasn't supposed to do because Ole Miss figured out that it was going to be bad. Ole Miss made mistakes for sure. Heard told Hughes That's to the bring after the game. I'm just it's saying, crazy. man. Like, why on earth should? I mean, yeah, feel bad for Hughes. I guess they lost his baseball season tickets, but like, I don't think Ole Miss owes him anything. <laughs> I, I just, it that, doesn't seem to that jive. Could, doesn't that, seem to how, jive. how many boosters and donors could the Hughes situation have happened to? I don't know. How many big boosters and donors do you think that could probably, have happened to? Probably not a lot of the big ones, because I think the guys like that do that. Because they probably have middlemen that go do it. Right, that, they, well, the, yeah. people like Walter Hughes do the stuff that he does because they want to be involved, but they can't make the big contribution. So understand, I mean, I think it's important. I think he was doing great things for these kids, but from Ole Miss's perspective, I mean, what do you owe him? You have to disassociate him. Send him a letter. Do you owe him? Nothing. You owe him when nothing. you start treating your people like shit, I thought that he wasn't. Work out I thought he term. wasn't our person. I thought he was only a booster because the NCAA said that. I just. I don't think that's PR. I think that that's probably legally. So we, I think it's we, probably we, we disagree part of the investigation. on what the impact. I think we disagree on what the potential impact is to other yeah, I totally, supporters of I, the Ole Miss program. I totally. I don't think that any Ole Miss season ticket holder really cares about that more than they care about the win total. Well, you know what? As far as I'm personally concerned, and I might be on an island of one here. Whatever. Every Ole Miss season ticket holder that thinks that way deserves an 0 and 12 football team. That's where I stand on this. But like you, are you not? I hope, I hope they shut down the program. Do you not? Do you not agree that the way we judge success is only wins and losses? Like, are we supposed? To, are we really molding like upstanding members of society? Because if that's all Freeze was doing and he was going five and seven, wouldn't we all think he should be replaced? Are wins and losses the most important thing for a football coach? Yes. Yeah. You know. You know what? But you know what would have been a better way to handle this whole thing? Be nice. No, the minute you see that the NCAA doesn't give two shits, this guy buys stuff for Arkansas buys here because of some technicality over baseball season tickets. You call up the New York Times and you say, "Come here and listen to this." And the NCAA is screwing these people. I totally you agree. It. You got all the leverage in the world to go get a completely different outcome. And don't and I don't want to hear excuses because Bjork, IHL, Jones, Vitter. Tyner, well, Tyner, who, I have no idea what the hell Tyner does. Forget, throw him out of sense. They all get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to have the the wherewithal and the ability to make these decisions. Yeah, but so. How in the hell? I don't think. 
I don't think Walter Hughes is going to stop talking anytime soon. I mean, he's going on podcast as of Friday. Like, I think if, you, if it comes to that, total if it comes to Miss, that, you know. still have that option. I mean, if Ole Miss gets hammered, they can still go the public crying route. Because at that point, what else do we have left? If Ole Miss gets they hammered should, as hard as people say they, they will. No, it's not public crying. It's let's go, you know, if the NCAA is going to be – Call it what you will, but I'm saying, I mean – Screwed up, whatever. Okay, NCAA the, – they should have done this in 2015 and said, look, everybody's bitching and moaning about it. Here's what happened. And it's a joke. And the, like, honestly, if you get, if you, be, if you get ahead of this, you get to write the narrative that people believe. Yeah. But I, I, I guess now, I just think- all, now, now everybody assumes Ole Miss is a cheater because it was, Oh, we're going to stick with our entire staff. Well, we had to get rid of Barney because of these little stupid nuanced details Instead of saying, you know what, yeah, I mean, Chris Kiffin let a guy stay at his couch two nights, but we shouldn't have. That's because he had an issue with his student apartment. Tunsil's mom's divorced, and her income's twenty, you know, thirty, whatever her income is, oh, annual no, income is. So it's probably decent. But, but they got to take care of all these other kids. There's some financial heart. You can go paint a narrative, and then the NCAA loses a damn PR battle because then it's the NCAA is a treats people like crap, and then people. Don't want to watch their product as much. TV ratings get hurt, and then you start tapping into TV dollars, and that's what drive everything. But Ole Miss wasn't smart enough to figure out how to handle that. So, whatever. I mean, and I, then, I'm, I just, and then, I and then think... on the same podcast, Jay Tate's on there, who sit there and watch the whole Cam Newton Auburn thing unfold. And Auburn, the guy that investigated the Cam Newton thing, there was apparently from NCAA compliance was new to Auburn within a year, and Auburn magically kept their guy eligible. He was ineligible than eligible within 48 hours and they never got penalized at all from the NCAA by it. And that was with a dude that just came from the NCAA. Ole Miss has somebody allegedly that wants to go work for the NCAA. Yeah, kind Let's of the opposite. I'd rather Let's, have someone from the NCAA, obviously. Well, there, I mean, Tate saying that NCAA guy is sitting there wanting to really, you know, enforce the deal. That's what he's conditioned to do. I mean, yet – the Auburn AD, Jay Jacobs, and the university leadership yeah, but was able to manage that situation. In that situation, Jones and the IHL wasn't able In that able situation, to. they had the leverage of, do you really want to take the Heisman winning most exciting player in college football off the field for the national championship game? I mean, that's a big piece of leverage you have there, isn't it? I mean, doesn't that really change the situation you're in? It's TV you ratings. Cre- it's all about you TV could- ratings. Ole Miss had all had plenty of ammunition, but they weren't. To it was before. Go the get the leverage Wait, they John, needed. Once you admit that that's a different situation, though, like Auburn had them over a barrel on. Do you really want to neuter the national championship game the week before? To me, that just changes things. I mean, we can debate how much it changes it, things. It, it's not. Yeah, it's a different we situation. But the idea that Ole, the idea that Ole Miss couldn't have completely I'm just saying, the been money, on offense. Follow here. the money, and there isn't much money behind Ole Miss getting hammered or not hammered. It's not Alabama. It's not Auburn in the national championship game. It's not USC, even though USC got hammered over Reggie Bush. I don't know. Um, I I feel like I was gonna say something. But now I've forgotten what it was. But oh the well. point through all of this is Ole Miss, it looked like, had a chance there to really elevate the level of their program to go from a can they be, can they go from a, let's say, a six or seven win annual team is kind of where their peak is to maybe be a nine win, consistently a nine win team. 
yet they totally fumbled. They've totally butchered the opportunity. Yeah, I mean, we don't really know, but it's, right now they're in a much worse place than they were after the Sugar Bowl last year. But, I, I mean, I don't know. We, we have to give it time to see how bad it's going to be. I don't have to give it time. I know what's going to happen. I don't think it's I don't think it's rocket science. I don't think it's rocket science to look at this and say, well, they blew it. I mean, just because it hadn't happened yet, and oh, you're speculating. Nah, I don't want to hear the speculation card. I mean, this isn't against you. This isn't against you directly. This is just in general. It's like, come on, people. People don't want to. Sw- I really just don't think people want to sit down and think through the fact that the twenty. I mean, the twenty fifteen team should have won the damn conference. Olmus hasn't won the league in that would have been fifty two year gap between titles. They went and they beat Alabama and Tuscaloosa without Laramie Tunsil. Like they overcame that hurdle and they still couldn't and Bjork and them they still couldn't Good God. I mean, that's the closest they'll probably ever that's the closest they're gonna get for how many years? If who knows. And then, and then they, did, and then just the way they got total, they've gotten their asses totally kicked by the NCAA. And then you watch these national media stories. Well, we got to change the way the NCAA, maybe the NCAA operates and the Power Five breaks away. Because look at these Ole Miss, North Carolina scenarios. Okay, well let's think about it. North Carolina has been screwing with the NCAA for almost ten years now. They, they played for a basketball national title in March, lost on a last second shot to Villanova. And they played for an ACC football championship last year against Clemson. So they've somehow managed to keep their act together. Yet Ole Miss has watched their program get absolutely decimated in the same situations. So however you cut it, Ole Miss's administration just simply has, absol- has been also – they've been deplorable in their management of this. So does that mean, your- that mean secretly good or what's your meaning of deplorable? Uh, yeah, we're going to get to the cut They've total. They have sucked at this. Versus mm. you look at, mm. well, they're grossly inferior to Auburn and North Carolina's ability to ma- mitigate NCAA situations, and Alabama and LSU's and all the other stuff that goes on in the background that never gets out because they manage it. They never let it get out. So, Alabama has a list of ten secondary violations come out. And nobody bats an eye. Stanford has a list of secondary violations comes out. And nobody bats an eye. But. Ole Miss, for whatever, you know, you know, Stanford was bad at football for a long time, then they got good, yet nobody gets is, is pissy over them being there. I mean, why why is it you why is it USC and UCLA and Oregon and all those teams complaining about Stanford getting good? Oh, wait. I don't know. I mean I mean we've Litigated this into nothingness, but I mean, it's just more. Can... It's just more. Ta- it's more tangible proof that, that literally, like the what's worst the, way you can. The what's worst the tangible way, proof. The letter is what you're saying is the worst I'm way. Saying to all this is literally could not handle the situation worse. I guess. I mean, that's your opinion. We'll see what the outcome is. We've already seen the outcome. Not Come yet. Seven games in a recruiting class got destroyed. I mean, well, I mean, if that's the worst that comes out of it, I'll actually think the administration did a pretty good job maneuvering it. Uh, they did a terrible job. If that, if if the punishments aren't any worse than what we've already had after all of this, after immunity to other schools, after the draft night, after all of that, no, it's a great job. 
if Ole Miss gets self-imposed penalties. How, how in the world is that a great job when you compare Because the NCAA Carolina. obviously wants so much more. The NCAA obviously wants freezes to, to have a show calls. The NCAA obviously wants bowl bans. I don't think that we're going to get the self-imposed penalties. I think a one-year bowl ban is the new floor. But if they were somehow able to end up with self-imposed penalties, it's a win. I mean, and the other thing, I guess the other, my other angle too. Okay, so this is how bad it. Why don't they just cut a deal and say we're going to give a one-year bowl ban, suspend freeze two games, and be done with this? But the NCAA, I, no, I think they it's can't. just the pridefulness. Bjork and Freeze are too prideful, probably. I, when I you really it, when you when you've lost, get the loss out of the way. Because every because this, what are the odds at this point? That this impact, this substantially impacts twenty the twenty eighteen recruiting class. I think good, probably pretty. It's it likely does. If if Ole Miss gets it wrapped up in time to not affect that class, then it's obviously a win. But I, I think so what, the uncertainty. When does Ole Miss have to get continue. it wrapped up in time and not impact that class? Mm, I, I think there's like four dockets a year, right? So I guess spring or summer. I mean, even summer, you're probably impacting it somewhat. But if you can, it, I'm I'm more worried about a hearing in like September. Because then that hangs over your fall camp. Who knows what comes out of that? It could ruin your whole season then and ruin that recruiting class. I don't know. If if it if it gets resolved in the summer. Here's here's the other problem. here's the other thing that's scary about this is that let's you know, Tyner, Bjork, Vitter, they're if they're the guys that are that are mismanaged I mean, Freeze is Freeze handled this whole NSA investigation. Right. Well, he's a football coach. I mean, he's not. He, he's not he paid to do this. He hasn't been on the same wavelength as his, as his like other, let's say, senior yeah. man, you know, administrative colleagues. The guy that's going to get fired for all of this and be the scapegoat's freeze. Now he gets paid the most money, so everybody's going to be like, "Well, you know, he gets his buyout." Blah blah blah. Jimmy Sexton negotiate, you know, all this stuff, but. Should he be the guy that ends up being the fall guy? Did he really do the worst job out of all this? I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, I think it's Bjork should be the guy that gets the brunt of blame for this. But is he? He's going to fire Freeze as a scapegoat. I think they both get fired. I think they both get fired. Yeah. Because Bjork has just been way too haughty through this whole process. If it, If we end up getting hammered after all of... How Bjork just got a promotion. Bjork's been a huge dick. Yeah, so Bjork's been a dick about the investigation the entire time. Made Ole Miss fans feel dumb for asking for He's, details. I, mean, I, I think the, it comes. It's, it's gonna come seven, back on him, man. It's I gonna agree. Come yeah, back I, on I, him. I, I, we, I, we, we, we agree on this more than I thought we would. Is it, I think we're actually we completely. I mean, seventeen-year-old kids know more about what the likely punishments are than Ole Miss season ticket holders. That's pretty screwed up. But I think the question is. I, so the thing about the 17-year-old kids knowing more or whatever, you have to ask yourself, is Freeze trying to tell them it's worse than it's going to be so that he doesn't look like he lies to players? Or is he telling them a lowball well, estimate? Or does he really think it's going to be a one-year probably bowl Probably diff- and, and what's going what's gonna, to – what the statement would be, there's a difference between how the athletics department views what the yeah. punishment's going to be versus the football program. Perhaps. But the, fo- the, fo- the football program has to live in the world. We have to go out and deal with other recruiting as other schools that are saying things. So, yes, and we they've they've are the football program's initial stance on well, we're going to keep our whole staff together. We didn't, you know that that's been broken because they had to get rid. Well, of Well, and I mean, the initial the fired. initial initial stance was 
this is all pre-freeze, and that got thrown out the window pretty hard when the NOA oh, came you down. Know, I, you know, I'll be honest, I had forgotten about the fact that this whole narrative of, oh, this is, it's all pre-freeze, and then like... Well, I think you have to ask 13, yourself... Fo- nine of the 13 football violent majority were freeze. You have era. to ask yourself how much that helped the 16 recruiting class, because it might be worth it. I mean, this is big-time college football. It's It's not really about, you know choir boy always telling the truth it's about winning right we keep coming back to yeah that. that's true i mean the timing of now the ncaa dropping the noa at the time yeah. that the, the, the you know that's yeah yeah so for sure um all right so we we're going anywhere new with this so we're we still we're back no in we're done i just wanted to no I this is good to, i think this is one of our York. one of our better i mean for a while now i've been with you on I mean, I think no matter what, if Ole Miss gets hammered, Freeze also gets hammered just because, like we said, he's the CEO, he's the face of the program, fingerprints all over it. But I think Ole Miss fans are going to hold Bjork accountable too. And I think part of it, and this is what we talked about maybe a couple of months ago, part of the situation we've gotten ourselves into is when you act like you're Alabama or you know some untouchable big-time program, if you can't back it up, that just makes you look like even more of an amateur, even like you know less of what you're doing than if you had just know, from played Freeze's, it like little old Ole Miss. From Freeze's standpoint, he was two and two against Nick Saban. Yep. After after they played last year. Yep. And first of all, and he inherited a program that went two and ten, and had sixty players on scholarship. So I mean. How many how many coaches in the country would kill to have had that? Because Ole Miss uh, going into last season was in the unique position, and even walking into the game they played in September this year. I mean, they, I mean, Ole Miss played Alabama the closest all year, and I mean, Alabama walked out walked out upon Hemingway going, "Just just get out of here." Yep. It wasn't like they. Every other school in the country has the problem of well, we can do this, but we can't. Man, we can't beat Alabama. Ole Miss had the we can take care of Alabama. Can we be consistent over twelve games? And so, and that's they, why I think I think that it's premature to to write freeze off. And and like when Table was saying a month ago or a few shows ago, oh, we got Houston Nutt all over again. Houston Nutt never did what Freeze has done so far. And, and maybe he slumps and it's 4-8 and eight and over after this next season. But I still give Freeze the benefit of the doubt because he has done what no other coach has done when it comes to playing head-to-head with Saban. Yeah. I mean, at least that's that, somewhere to it, start when you're rebuilding the program. Is that, oh, I mean, this is, you can't just wake up every day and get a unique shot to elevate the program as high as, I mean, Ole Miss was in back-to-back access bowls. You could say that's top 12 program status. Yeah. And top 15 program status. And they were there, and then it fell off. So, the point is, I mean, we. I guess is who knows. Maybe, maybe in five years, hell, maybe seven years from now. You, you mean? It, I guess it's possible that we see free freeze is fired after all this. Bjork's held accountable for all this, and there's a new coach in AD. And you know what? They're they're right there again, except they're in a better spot to do it because right they can't have anything. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just don't see. Well, I, mean, I don't. And, think and we the always odds come back to. High. Always come back to what does Bjork do well in his facilities? So, no matter what happens, 
there is some durable improvements that are coming out of. Yeah, the that is true. I will, and, and I will kind of tie this back in. I mean, driving around campus. No, the for, school. The, the school game, is doing the, well. The University the of Mississippi is doing well. Ca- campus infrastructure is in a good spot. I agree. The, the school, town the of Oxford overall, is doing well. I yeah. agree. They're all overall in a good spot. Now they have a chancellor who apparently is awkward socially, which is. How in the hell is that? Well, how is that guy end up being the chancellor of Ole Miss is one thing, but it also kind of explains to me. I, I really wonder at the end of the day how much of this NCAA stuff coming where it was is a result of the weakness in the administration. Well, it was a result of Dan Jones being railroaded by the IHL for stuff completely yeah. outside of this. And that, and this is if this is at the end. Could you just summarize this as saying this is a this is a a real big negative externality of the Dan Jones IHL debacle. I, I, I'm not sure. I think it's possible. I'm not sure how what Dan Jones would have done differently, but I can definitely see Dan Jones being able to handle well, Dan, Dan being able to Jones, handle Sankey better, being able to handle Tyner better, being able to handle investigators better. Well, well, Dan Jones was there. I mean, Dan Jones a guy hired Bjork. Yeah, I mean, well, I would have liked to have seen him have the opportunity to look at it and say, Ross, you're really good at facilities, but this NCAA PR thing you suck at, and I'm going to get involved personally and go mitigate this. Because I think, I really don't think you can do it much worse than Bjork has, to be quite frank. So, and this whole exemplary cooperate, they have an exemplary cooperator. I mean, there's plenty of examples of that. So, John, we tried. They tried. They, they tried, and it didn't work. They tried, John. That's that's I guess that's my that's one of, that's where my biggest that's my biggest gripe is we're is this I mean we we keep hearing I keep hearing well we got to you know it comes down to what the COI rules no it doesn't the COI could wipe everything clean tomorrow you already you've already had some you've already had you've already got many scars laying around. Yeah, but, I mean, like we talked about, then you can start rebuilding at least. I mean, as we are right now, it's much worse than what you just described because of the uncertainty. Because as long as the investigation's open, that's other schools are going to be able to say anything. Because then you can say, okay, we go from... Now we know. It's the uncertainty that's killing Ole Miss. We go from the, the valley of the... We go from the abyss of unknown to, okay, rebuild starts today. Right. So, I mean, that's obviously the only thing that Ole Miss can hope for this offseason is some but sort of closure. Rebuilding is not that fun. I mean, 2012, we were excited if a team played hard. You know? Yeah, I mean, rebuilding is not that fun, but like we just talked about, it's not like – it's. I don't know. By the way, 2012 was pretty fun. It wasn't fun losing to Vanderbilt. And well, it, it, wasn't, our, it wasn't fun well, losing close our games. Because well, we had sucked for a decade. That's what I'm saying. I mean, you Versus, get to, how, how, how fun – see, it's – I mean – Okay, it's re- it's fun to be undefeated going into LSU, but it really sucks when they beat you. Just like it's fun to be undefeated going yeah, to Florida. Yeah, but you'd rather deal with really that sucks than, you would, you. than you would the Orgeron era. Right, I'm just I saying, mean, I'm just saying, if the investigations gets closed, Freeze gets to start rebuilding, I still think the fans feel better than they feel right now. Yeah, I agree. But is the... I don't know with... With kind of where... With where everything's at in terms of having the cost of attending games and supporting program and the options we have and, you know, getting, cause when, I mean, if people get apathetic and say, you know what, I'm going to take a year or two off and buy and season ticket, are they going to come back and support the program and be there if they really, 
Yeah, I mean, like, you, you, we always talk about, John, how you're there and I'm here. It doesn't matter what happened last year. If Ole Miss beats Alabama, they sell out the rest of the game. Like, people are packed out in Oxford the rest of the games no matter what. I mean, yeah. I, I really think people people here, their memory's short. There's also about 30% of people in the state could go yeah. either way on State or Ole Miss, and it's going to be whoever's having the best season that they're going to talk about and that they're yeah. going to wear the shirt or whatever. I I really I mean I just think the memory is short and whether that means replace Bjork and freeze and start rebuilding I think Ole Miss fans will be excited again it's just you have to get out of where you are right now if that means new coach new administration to get the NCAA out of town if that means you know take a one year bull ban and start rebuilding or whatever I I think Ole Miss fans will in the long run come back to the program but definitely right now they're at a low there's a or emotional low play, point just to play devil's advocate I really don't know where this is gonna go. Is Ole Miss going to be – are they going to be kind of the – are we going to look back in 20 and say this is the martyr that them along with North Carolina – Helped bring down the NCAA? Well, led to the Power Five breaking away from the right. NCAA. Right, and, and so that's the thing. Kind of in a way – And so I got to tell you, I got to tell you, The way that SMU was the catalyst towards the ultimate breaking up of the Southwest Conference. Right. Which then led to – this disenfranchised Big Twelve, which really didn't, you know, it, it may it worked for fifteen, sort of worked for fifteen years, and then Nebraska said we're tired of this shit, and then Texas Power Game to form their own network, which is a total, which was the Longhorn Network worked for Texas but failed for everybody else, yeah, so on and so forth, and SMU has never recovered as a football program from that. Yeah, I mean, we'll now, see. We're, that, we're that, that's see. an extreme for Ole Miss. I, I mean, mean, that's what state fans will tell you is going to happen to Ole Miss. So where does Ole Miss fall? Who knows? But the, the, I mean, I don't know if you could take the oh they can re you know short memory they can definitely rebound for granted. But I don't know if it's if it's guaranteed that they're not going to potentially rebound. Antonio well, I mean, Brown, the, Antonio Brown is going. SMU has quarter SMU has Good never grief. recovered on the field. I I think yeah if Ole Miss doesn't doesn't win, then yeah the fan support will be bad. But I think if we're assuming that Ole Miss at some point in the next 10 years will be allowed to, without a cloud, build a football program, I think the fans will be there. I, I, it's just about the on-field performance, what I'm saying. And the coach's job and the AD's job is to navigate everything else so that 12 Saturdays a year, the fans can watch a team that wins you know, more than 60% of their games, and then they're happy. Yep. I don't know. Agree. I don't know. We'll see what happens. We've we've gone long talking about this. You know, every every week where this is on the docket, I feel like we're not going to have anything to say about it, and then we end up spending it's probably been a good fifty minutes on it this week. So there you go. There you yeah, go. I mean, I feel like there's kind of some new. There's 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 notable. New yeah, and I didn't I didn't hear the interview in with Walter Hughes, so I was uh, definitely interested to to hear your recap of it. I mean, well, very interesting. I think there's there there's some a good bit of smoke around. You know what this. We're not, we're not close. We're not really any closer to an NCAA resolution. I, I, I think it's, it, well, it's gone. Think... It's gone from a month ago. Yeah, this is going to get wrapped up sometime in seventeen. To oh boy, is this just going to keep dragging on? I don't think on. that the investigators are going to close the investigation until someone higher up makes them. So, I mean, I think that's what we're waiting on is someone from the enforcement side, or sorry, from the COI side 
basically saying, okay, you have to present what you have now. Does the C? I don't know enough about the NCAA. Does the COI have that authority? Or I, they... I don't. I don't really know, but I know the investigators aren't like the ones running the show. They, but they they're given a certain level of autonomy, but they still have to answer to superiors. And I I don't think until those people decide that it's been long enough. Like I just don't think Randy Sheridan. I think that's his name, and Mike Sheridan. Sorry, I'm confusing with Randy Shannon, the new uh, DC at Florida. But yeah. I, I don't think that, that those guys are going to just call it a day because they've heard so much. They've heard so many damning rumors about Ole Miss, and you know some of them probably were true. A lot of them probably weren't true. Um, but I don't think they're going to stop digging because, once again, and this might just be, you know, people talk about how the football program's locked down now and information doesn't get out and all that. And with Tunsil, that was true. We didn't hear about the Tunsil suspension pretty much until the day of the opener. Um, but it, I don't know if that's the case or not, but we would have heard, going off of all past experience, if there was some sort of smoking gun or new development. I mean, the, the best we have is Barney not being retained, but I still think that there might be more to that story when you look into Dan Werner and all, and the fact that he was about to lose his recruiting exemption, I don't really know. I mean, maybe Barney was an attempt to appease the NCAA. Maybe we didn't really think they had enough on him. We were just trying to be quote-unquote exemplary. Maybe they have some damning smoking gun on Barney that we're going to see in the second NOA. I don't know. I just, we haven't heard anything concrete yet. So until I hear that, I guess I feel better. Or I feel that they're still looking for something to be that smoking gun. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, this twenty seven. It's a wait and see season. game. It's a, and then we. I feel like we end every NCAA discussion by saying that. Sorry, guys, we don't have any new info to break on this podcast. But well, uh, that's the news, though. the The lack of the lack of definitive timeline. Every day it goes by. It's just kind of like you yeah. know. And I mean, this time of year is when it's especially pronounced because you see the kids that we might have had a shot with slowly going other places. And, and what's crazy is it's been going on for four years and nobody has a clue. Nobody, we don't know what the process, NCAA process is. We don't know who's calling the shots. Yeah. We don't know where Ole Miss, we don't, we don't, we, it's like well, we, think, know, we, we know, we know less now than we did, than we did. Well, I think the NCAA is kind of amateurish as well. Like, I, I think that there's multiple, that's, mul- multiple that's layers, the, multiple layers of uh, incompetence happening on both sides of this. I tell you what's going to happen here, what I think, what, what my guess is what we'll see unfold over the next three years. Is that I think North Carolina basketball is a big enough of an entity of they, a they fight historical entity yeah. that they're going to expose this whole NCAA investigation deal to the point that this that combined with Ole Miss, I yeah. think Ole Miss we'll could be it. is going to be the tack onto that to show, and then how you could even look at the Syracuse thing, Syracuse basketball. That, but the North Carolina basketball is enough of a pro, you know. If, if they were going, if the NCAA was getting on Alabama football, uh, I think we'd see different. Oh yeah, outcomes. absolutely. Or Ohio, Ohio State. Football. I mean, if the NCAA tries to hammer Ole Miss and Ole Miss doesn't immediately file a lawsuit, I mean, I won't be work fired years ago. But it's just we'll see. We'll see what happens if. If Ole Miss gets bent over by the NCAA, we need we need an attitude change. So putting this potentially putting this into the Mississippi legal system is a sort. Oh my God! I no, I, I, would it be uh, would it be Mississippi? I I guess it would. Or is it is it Indiana? I don't know. Is it crossing it state the, lines? I don't if it know. touches the Mississippi legal system, holy shit! Is all I gotta say. I mean, It'd probably be good for us. 
I don't know. It'd, it'd be another 10 years before we got an answer. So Yeah, but the Mississippi legal system is kind of like uh, the Ole Miss equivalent to the high school coaching system for Mississippi State. Meaning, I guess. Meaning, like they have a lot of teachers and coaches, Ole Miss has a lot of lawyers and judges. Yeah, yeah well, yeah, State, obviously, because they're, the, right. I guess, that's, them and MC are the only little two law schools. Yeah, so that's, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not even sure. I would have to. We'll have to get uh, Bebel or somebody on the show to tell us what would happen in that. Who who would have jurisdiction there? I don't know if it's. Uh, who the hell knows at this point? I mean, yeah. I don't think anybody. I don't think anyone knows anything. Yeah. It's so just, let's. We'll uh, we'll end it on that note. I don't think anyone knows anything. Um, thank you for listening to us talk about the stuff that we don't know. This is uncertainty, but I mean, hey, this is. The life of an old Miss fan now, I guess, is uh, just pure speculation, and who knows what the hell's going to happen. The NCAA does not manage the Grove, so everything's going to be okay. It's true. We can still we can still uh, do a lot of things that we we've always done. We don't have to be too worried about it. And I mean, I, I, I'm ex- I mean, you said rebuilding's no fun, but I, it it might not be as much fun as winning this is at an a, unnecessary rebuild. Winning at a high level, but I'm still looking forward to. Uh, going in the next year with lowered expectations and we'll see what happens we'll see we'll see how they do so you know all we can do as fans is wait and see what happens and then gnash our teeth and wail uh, when we inevitably get hammered so waiting on that thank you for listening guys um talked about basketball obviously we'll talk more about that as the season progresses um i'm kind of proud of us for leading with basketball today um here in the middle of basketball season so we're we're doing our job. We're getting the important news across. Baseball's coming up here in February, uh, probably about a month away. Does the baseball start that early in February? Is a little bit later. Middle, middle, uh, five weeks, I think. Okay, so maybe maybe a little bit more than a month. But hey, it'll be here before we know it. It always creeps up on it. So uh, we'll definitely Cliff, be talking I about that Cliff soon. Cliff Godwin comes to town open the season. Yeah, that'll be fun. That'll that'll be, be fun, fun for sure. ECU was fun to watch last year and. Ole Miss is obviously trying to field a. We love uh, we love member Cliff Godwin in the World Series team. We love member that. Member so. that. Member that. Member that. They did. They did well. They did well. Um, yeah. And then Coastal won it all. Didn't we beat them in a tournament last year? Yeah, we did. So there you go. I, uh, I forgot they won it. Transitive, all, but... transitive national champions, as uh, Chancellor Vitter would like say. That. Uh, Chad Smith beat them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember. We we won the tournament that Coastal hosted at their own park, and then they and won Chad Smith they won that them. game. Holy cow! R.I.P. Chad Smith. Um, yeah. All right, so <laughs> that'll do it, folks. Thanks for listening. Obviously, um, listen again next week. Uh, subscribe on iTunes if you want to get the show delivered to your phone automatically follow us on twitter and uh you'll never miss an episode when we tweet those out it's at sharks aftr dark um but for now we'll call it there for justin or for john i'm justin thank you for listening we'll talk to you next week